Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 51. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide, and in 1999, I founded the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident outdoors by using traditional skills, a few simple tools, and field-based experience. Whether you're looking to go from city slicker to competent outdoor professional, want to experience a remote expedition, or just want to learn a few new outdoor skills, we've got you covered. You can check out the show notes to this and all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. When you're there, click on the podcast button. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Lastly, the best way to keep up with our programs and trips is to join our email newsletter. And you can do that at jmbnews.com. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm joined this morning with Christopher Russell. We're sitting in the guide shack. And I am suffering this morning. Christ- I'm sorry. Christopher I'm so sorry. last week uh, had the gall to travel and go to an old friend of his wedding and had the double gall to bring back an illness into our into our idyllic little camp setting. And it is, it is robustly tra- traveling through the people in camp. So I'm pro- convinced that uh, my good friend Estevan gave me this on purpose so that I'll come back to him. Um, it's not working yesterday. I don't know if you ever listened to this, but it does, it's not going to work. Anyway, I'm happy to send him anywhere because uh, I, at this point in my life, I get a cold probably once a year, once every year <laughs> and a half. When my kids were little, those little disease vectors running around <laughs> at daycares and schools and stuff, you get you'd get these horrific sicknesses and illnesses. But you know, thankfully, they're a bit older now and. Uh, but I am definitely not 100%, so if my voice sounds a little bit off, that's why. I'm, I'm uh, trying to power through it by sucking down coffee like a champion. That uh, seems like the right approach. Uh, but anyway, yeah. um, so it's pretty late in our fall semester. We just wrapped up week seven, two weeks to go. Um, so the end is in sight. It's been a long year this year in... <laughs> camp um you know our season usually starts around mid-april here at the field school you know where people are here consistently um so yeah we started in mid-april where it was i remember the morning the spring semester started this year that sunday morning it was two degrees fahrenheit yep and there was still like six feet of snow on the road and we were waiting for spring to arrive now last night it was in the high 20s here um that's degrees freedom not degrees canadian uh, and you know, we're at the other end of the spectrum. So our, our brief, but this year, very hot and humid summer, uh, is a thing of the past and we're slowly sliding into winter. So end of the season in camp. So we like to take advantage of these, uh, nights where the, the days are still pretty warm and sunny. The nights are cool. So as we're nearing the end of the semester, the students on the current semester course have done a bunch of different shelters and we have them spend a minimum of four consecutive nights in each shelter and kind of the shelter graduation exercise for the shoulder seasons like this is for them to spend the night in a shelter 
uh, a non-insulative shelter, but with no sleeping bag or blanket and just sleeping in front of a fire to keep them warm. So everybody did that last night. And they're all dead. <laughs> well, one no. of them still is... No, they're all fine. They're all fine. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. Uh, I haven't been up the hill yet this yeah, morning. Yeah. Um, no, they're fine. But it's a great exercise. It, it's one of those, I like to say, where the boogeyman dies. You know, when you realize that you'll be fine without a blanket or a sleeping bag in below freezing weather. Uh, you know, it's just super, super empowering. It's also the first night you do it, it's super tiring. Yeah. <coughs> and when I give the spiel uh, introducing the exercise, I talk about... Um, it's sort of like the first night at home with like a newborn baby when they come home from the hospital because you're up all night. You don't really know. There's no there's no like instruction manual. The, you know, the kid cries, you wake up and you, you wonder if you'll ever sleep again. Uh, and the first night in front of a big open fire like that is sort of like that where you don't get good restful sleep. But, you know, by week two of having that little kid in the house, you're sleeping through the night um, and, you know, half the day as well. Whenever you get a chance, you take it. So, you know, after you spend a few nights in front of a big open fire, then you you can honestly wake up, put wood on the fire, go back to sleep, and you in the morning you don't remember doing it. Not unlike getting up to change a diaper at 3 a.m., you know, you don't, after you do it a bit, you don't remember doing it. So it's a great empowering exercise, and that's what everybody did uh, here last night. <clears throat> so we've got... Uh, We've got our final trip coming up with our culminating exercise. Folks have solos to do. And it hasn't rained here since, I don't know, we haven't had any significant rain in a long time. So the river is basically like a damp puddle with a, an occasional trickle of water. I think the the cubic feet per second is less than 100 right now here in Masardis on the Aroostook. Um, and just, you know, for example, when the ice goes out in the spring, it's at like 20,000. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's just a trickle right There's now. Nothing so, there. so we are headed out to, uh, a system of lakes that we're going to do our final trip on just because they're the river system right now is just not an option. So a bit of a, bit of a struggle with the, with the climate in that respect. It seems like three falls in a row. We've had these big droughts. Yeah, It's a little weird. And the summers are brutal too. It's hot and like you said, humid and gross, but, and then we'll get like the, the, you know, the 10 day will show we're supposed to get a bunch of rain. And then as it gets closer and closer, the percentage slowly drops and then it just doesn't rain. Yeah. Five days out, we're going to get <laughs> two inches of rain. It's going to pour all day. Yeah. And then by that morning, there's like a 10% chance we get a sprinkle Yeah, and it doesn't and happen. It doesn't happen. <laughs> so. But, you know, we're blessed with lots of water here in northern Maine, so it's not like it's not like the desert or anything. There's still lakes yeah. and rivers and ponds and streams, and the woods are still damp. But <coughs> it has minimized our ability to travel on the river systems anyway. That cough sounds pretty bad. You should kill whoever gave that to you. Yeah, I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm working on it. Noted. Um, so, yeah, nearing the end of the... <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> nearing the end of the season uh, it's kind of sad because you know camp life here is it's fun and yeah. have a good time doing it but at the end of the season um you know it's just not practical for everybody to live outdoors when it's cold all the time mm -hmm. without specialized gear without wall tents and wood stoves and things like that uh so you know we go our separate ways so it's kind of bittersweet i'm always excited at for the end of the year i get to go home and reunite with my family i get to cook in a, like a regular modern kitchen with running water and you know things of that nature uh 
But, you know, it's funny, the, the more years I spend living off the grid for seven or eight months, the, the I don't know, the, the easier it is, the more pleasurable. And so for me, it's always get really excited to go back home. But then after two or three days of modern conveniences, I'm like, okay, I've had enough. <laughs> I'm ready to go back. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we a few things in camp. We'll probably shoot some videos this winter and show you some of the things that we've developed in camp this year and just some of the to to smooth it even further we've got a you know a pretty idiot resistant hot water system now uh all solar and um yeah it just works great so yeah, so the pretty easy. the hard things about camp life you know i can't even remember them because we haven't dealt with them in years it's it's pretty cushy living off the grid anyway yeah so this morning we're going to talk a little bit about uh what christopher did last summer and what the big plans are for next summer with the School of the Forest. Yeah. Um, so this summer I ran the first um, programs on the, f- on the property that I've run. Um, and those were the, uh, the Teen Tech Detox Canoe, um, canoe Expedition. Somebody asked and- me about that yesterday where, at, uh, at, the auto, at the auto repair place. Really? They're like, what's the Teen Detox? They were looking at, at the website and I told them that, uh, huh. you know, it was about separating kids from their cell phones, yeah. essentially, and technology. But they were like, really? That's a thing? And I'm like, that's a huge yeah. thing. Yeah, and it was it was a lot of fun and very powerful. We had one student um, from uh, suburban Massachusetts who sort of spent most of his life because of school and because of his personal interests in front of a computer. And it was really interesting and really um yeah, really powerful to watch him in the first uh, in the first two days. Really struggled with not, you know, not being able to Google any question he had, having to go into the library, and then. But by the end of the two weeks, he was he was having a great time out here. He wasn't thinking about any of that stuff. And then the second one we ran was the Family Bushcraft Week, which we or you have run in the past up here, and that I've kind of brought back in a new reiteration for School of the Forest. And that was we had a couple of families come up, and that was a cool thing because. I think for most of human history that what we did for those two weeks was how little communities lived, you know, a, a big, big gap in ages. And, you know, we had a four-year-old and a two-year-old running around. And what was the story now? The two-year-old standing naked in the pond or something? Oh, so there's a couple of good, there's a couple of good stories about this, uh, this young man who was, so when he first got out of the, the van with his family, the first thing he did was walked up to me and held up a, hammer and said hi i'm julian i have a mallet and i was like you and i are gonna get along great and then about uh three days later we're working on canoe stuff and uh this kid's parents are in the pond and all of a sudden from the shore we just hear we just hear this tiny little voice go hi mommy i'm naked um and we just looked over and he just decided he wanted to go for a swim and didn't know where his swim trunks were so he just made the best of it classic yeah it was it was a really really fun time um i think everybody myself included got a lot out of that short little window of time that we spent together i think that's always that was the driving force behind founding the family bushcraft week and i'm glad to see that it's still uh filling that niche of like it's a place where you can come and kind of have fun and explore the outdoors explore some of the traditional skills but it's not like 
you know, okay, it's 8.15 a.m., we're doing yeah. this, and at 9, we're doing that, and at 10, we're doing that. You know, it's sort of more free-flowing. and Yeah, it was at, when we run courses, um, you know, when we run the adult programs up here, like it is, you know, it's not, we're not sounding revelry in the morning or anything, but we have a schedule and we stick to it. But having that week where it was, you know, there was instruction going on, but it was pretty, uh, it was pretty relaxed, and it reminded me that, like, this, living this way is really, really soothing if you're not um yeah if you don't bring sort of the modern need for like being on time down to the minute to it it can be really relaxing even if you're working hard every day yeah like going back in time before the railroad because the railroad (laughs) was the technological innovation that made everybody care exactly what time it is before the railroad people were happy with morning noon afternoon maybe even throw in a forenoon uh, you know, yeah. after the railroad, it had to be eight oh three. You know, two oh seven. Like, and and we've never recovered from it. Now everything, every gadget has devices and timers, and you know, sometimes it's nice to leave all that stuff. And and oh, absolutely, you can look up at the sky and see where the sun is in the sky, and you say, oh, it's still, you know, it's still morning or it's it's afternoon, and and that's enough. And I think that's the point of like the, you know, the tech detox, the family bushcraft is to kind of eliminate those modern hassles and distractions and get back to the more rhythmic ways that humans have lived on the planet So the mother of uh, our little mallet wielding friend, um, that was, they were only up here for a week, but even at the end of the week, she was telling me like that she was not looking forward to leaving behind the peacefulness that comes from being up here. Um, and, and, and like I say, she was only up here for a week. Um, and I want to know, yeah, I want to, I want to see that happen more often with people. Cause it's just, that's what it's all about. I think, you know, we can talk about how gratifying it is to canoe 200 miles and all that stuff. But the reality is that just living this way is, there's a piece that comes from it that I don't think you can get from anything else. Well, 350,000 years of anatomically modern humans. You don't think Facebook's the way to do it? Most of them lived like this up until the very no, last. No, it was Facebook. You think? They were they were, they were were virtually poking each other via, via cave drawings. Uh, even just hearing you say that, I just <laughs> threw up a little bit in my mouth. No, that's the cold I gave you. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so that's, I mean, again, like, uh, I... Don't look forward to leaving camp and camp life because you've got to go. I mean, I have yeah. a pretty idyllic existence in New Hampshire at home. Sure. It's not like I'm going back to like, uh, I don't know, some urban. Helheim? I don't know where that is, but. I don't know. <laughs> it's not like I'm going back to some urban thing where we're on like right. the 70th floor yeah, of a high of rise. But but still just that, uh, you know, being within the grip of. Yeah modern society i like to say in new hampshire we live on a small lake and about a mile and a half away on the far corner of the lake is a road that you can hear especially in the morning when trucks are going by and here at the field school about a mile and a half away is a is a uh highway crosses a railroad track and you can hear trucks and trains from time to time so i like to think that i don't live in the modern world but i can hear it from where i'm at and um, that's close enough for me agreed <clears throat> so what was your other than the uh our our mallet wielding friend what's another good any other good stories from the summer like yeah on the, the so or? when we were on the um on the detox and we went out in the field we went to a lake that we do a lot of our canoeing on and we were on a side of it that um 
that I haven't been on a lot and ended up camping at this little campsite on um, sort of on one of the branches of the lake. And the students went out on uh, two night solos on their own. Um, and so while they were out, I was sitting back at campsite, you know, listening for a whistle in case somebody needed help. And these <laughs> these two, two old timers came up and I think they sat with me for about two and a half hours talking about how they didn't know they didn't know that that campsite was there. And it was, it's always interesting to talk to the people that have lived up here for a long time, just because they have, you know, like the, the little bit of information that I gleaned talking with some of these people there was that that side of the lake, even in like the dead of summer, when the bugs are horrendous, doesn't have a bug problem. And they don't, they don't know why. Um, but, but after staying out there for a week, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, Compared to being back here at that time of year, there was no, you know, the mosquito here or there, but they weren't, they weren't horrendous like they are anywhere else. And I, that kind of stuff is interesting because you find well, this I, like. I, I know why. The, it's the alien mothership at the bottom of the lake. It's right. part of the Masardis that's Triangle. Right. That's right. I don't know what I was thinking. Like the, the, the geomagnetic uh, waves that the <laughs> ship gives off. I hope that cold lasts a week. <laughs> no, um. But that stuff is interesting because it makes you think about like, well, what is what is it about this particular part of um, this place that we're in all the time that makes that that little ecosystem not habitated by bugs? And I don't know what it is, but I think it's an interesting thing to keep looking at. And it's interesting to they also told me that they didn't know there was a campsite there. And, you know, it's cool to be at a place and then um, have it be somewhere that's a lot of people don't come through or even know is there. And it's, yeah, not too far off the beaten path. So no. it, that's a very interesting thing, I think, about, like, human psychology is that, uh, well, we did a unit this past week on uh, making deadfall traps, and we talk about learning the habits of animals. If you know an animal's habits and how to make one trap, that's probably worth a lot more than knowing how to carve 50 traps and not knowing anything about the critters you're trying to catch. But it's just the blind spots that we have, and especially the uh, where we're familiar, you know, because we don't necessarily pay attention to places where we are all the time. So, for example, like, you know, if you're out there in podcast land on your way home from work or to work or to school or whatever, I bet there's like, you know, you sort of take the same road every time or you're on the bus or the train or, or you know, walking or whatever. And because you do it so many times, you're sort of on autopilot, not really yeah. paying attention. So that... Um, What's the the term I heard a guy use once was vuja day. It's like the opposite of deja vu. So it's seeing the ordinary thing that you see all the time with new eyes, or, yeah. or like being a being a tourist. Actually, so I had a student, um, <coughs> a, a younger student. I ran a program. I ran a couple programs in New Hampshire this year, and um, one of the exercises we do is sit spots on those programs. And I had a I got an email from the mother of one of these students that was telling me that. This kid had brought this brought this home, and, we, and he wasn't doing it in a wild place. He was just sitting um, every day for fifteen minutes in their back window and looking out at their yard. And she was telling me about all like all these things, you know, wildlife and stuff that existed in their backyard and that they had just never paid attention to because they hadn't taken the time. And that kind of stuff. That's why these programs, I think, are important, um, especially for young people, because that, yeah, this kid was eight, like he's going to do this for he's going to do that for the rest of his life ideally and um yeah maybe he'll always have vujad day i don't know if it's a real term i did hear it once right I, okay i heard some guys well say i like it, it so yeah. i'm going to keep using it it's, it kind of sounds like voodoo and that makes me happy <coughs> voodoo makes you happy yeah okay 
All right. Well, you know, you take what you can get up here. Yeah. For me, it's voodoo. I guess we'll have to make some dolls uh, next week. Cattail you haven't dolls seen all the stuff hanging in the woods? No, but I... I take a Roycroft then... pack frame with toggles on it and shake it around and cast spells. Uh, eh, it's just what I do on the weekends. Yeah. Well, you got to stay busy. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, okay, so big success this summer running those programs. What uh, You have something that you're going to announced that's yeah. going to take place next summer, yeah. right? Yeah, so the sort of the um the thing that led to this was actually the tech detox because I saw, you know, we it was 2 weeks and I wanted to kind of see how that would go with this age group and um because that course was not like most summer camps, it was not a there wasn't a lot of uh it wasn't about the interpersonal stuff, it was about the hard skills of living outdoors. Um, and by hard, I mean, I don't mean like difficult. I mean like the hands-on skills of living outdoors and it, it went really well and sort of, that was the final push for me to start, um, a youth version of the semester programs that we run up here. So four weeks in the summer, um, it'll be the, a wilderness living semester and students will come up here for the four weeks and focus a lot on everything from friction fire to um cooking outdoors and building shelters and really the same stuff we do on the nine weeks just in a shorter time frame so that students can be up here and not miss school and stuff like that so what's the age group that- uh 14 to 17 is our age group um again i i kind of after seeing the wide range of ages that we have on the semesters and that we had on the family bushcraft week i think that limiting it to a smaller age group doesn't do anyone justice. I don't think human beings are meant to just hang out with their own peer group all the time. I think there's value in hanging out with people that are younger or older than you. Well, 14 to 17 is pretty close. Yeah, but there's there's a big difference between a 14-year-old <laughs> and a 17-year-old, right? Maybe that 17-year-old learns patience by dealing with somebody younger than him. Maybe a 14-year-old learns something from somebody older than him. And I think that that... I don't want to take that experience away from people. So is there a travel component? Are you guys, yes. is it just skills or is it skills there plus will, travel? Yeah, it'll be three weeks in camp and then a week on trail at the end. Canoeing, hiking? Canoeing. Nice. Yeah. That'll be pretty awesome. Yeah, I think that being on, I, I don't think that these skills exist in a vacuum. And I think that when we go on trail on these semesters and on, again, this summer with the um, the detox program, that was where, that was where it all clicked I mean, when we're here, like, you know, we're off grid, but there's still a limited amount of infrastructure and you can kind of get away with cotton corners and stuff. But when you go on trail, that's where it all kind of gets cemented in your head, I think. I would agree that the expedition is the special sauce because you're out, you're solving problems daily, you're moving, you're traveling, you're learning as you go. Like, yeah, that's a huge opportunity for learning. And I think there's a big... Uh, just for me personally, I've always had a bone to pick with, you know, you look around at different schools and programs and everybody's offering wilderness living skills. And uh, I don't think someone is a qualified teacher of wilderness living skills until they've lived right. in the wilderness. right? I and, I, and I think that the the skills aspect is often takes a higher spot on the totem pole than the experience aspect. Yeah. I I think the wilderness living experience, the skills facilitate the experience. Yes. They're not an end in themselves. So our friends, our friends in Alberta, um, are having a symposium and their, their catch line for it is skills in context. And I think that that's, um, 
that's really well put because that's what these things need to be if you want to truly understand them. It's one thing to do, I don't know, do friction fire in your backyard, but if you can do it on trail with a set you just made 10 minutes ago, that's when those skills are, are really driven home, I think. Well, that's when you experience the culture and the lifestyle exactly. and basically what it means to be a human being. Right. Like touching that timeless experience of man in nature yeah. as opposed to like i i you know i'm in my basement and i'm cranking out bow drills and there's right. nothing wrong with that no. but it's not the full experience exactly and i think that the you know i just get tired of hearing about oh it's a wilderness living skills yeah. class in manhattan island in new york city like well okay you can i mean you can definitely do some of sure. the skills there but the experience is never going to be the same as no like you say you're in the middle of northern maine and and you uh, it's raining out and you have to light a fire to, right. to cook your dinner. And, and that's a whole different experience. Than... Right. And I think, and I think it, not only a different experience from other wilderness um, skills courses, but it's also a different experience, experience from, uh, from a lot of other summer camps for teens is that, you know, this, we are not using this, we're not using the outdoors as a pretty backdrop for interpersonal stuff. The interpersonal stuff happens organically, I think. Um, and I think that it's 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 a rare experience to go and live this way, and not one that a lot of other people offer for teenagers, because most of the time it's centered around learning leadership skills and learning, and that again that happens organically on on our adult programs, and I think we'll likely do the same there. So the focus for us is on academic learning paired with hands-on knowledge and learning to love working with your hands, which is not again not something that you see in a lot of um, youth activities in modern in the modern world. Yeah, no, I think it. I think it sounds like a great program. Yeah, uh, and sort of makes the, me and, wish I was a teenager. Again. Well, that's we've talked about this before, right? Like, so I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast before, but sort of the 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 genesis of School of the Forest was an it was an idea you had, and then when I was a student, you and I went out flagging trails, and I mentioned wanting to work for you know an outdoor ed company of some kind, and I will remember your sentence until till the day I die, and it was they won't pay you enough to buy coffee. I have an idea, and that was the birth of it. And now, but, but so in building that, I wanted to build. Exactly what you just said. I wanted to build a program that I would have liked to have as a teenager, um, because if I had known this stuff existed as a teenager, I would have, I would have been in feet first from the get go, right? And I think that you know maybe every student that comes up here doesn't have that same experience, but um, you know if one or two of them see that working in the outdoor industry is a possibility and maybe that spark gets lit by being at one of our courses. That's, that's it. Like if I get two students a year that feel that way, I'm doing my job. What's the, uh, there's a great movie out there. I think it's on Vimeo. It's called guided about one of yes. my mentors, Raymond Rizzi. And if, if you haven't seen it, I'll throw it in the show notes. I think it's online for free. Yes. Uh, anyway, worth looking at, but he's a man who's been guiding professionally for, I don't know, 40 years uh, 40 years. And I think he had a line like that, that if, you know, if you take 10 people yes. out and one or two of them gets it, you, it's success. Yes. Like you don't expect everybody entirely. to get it. Um, so yeah, that, that'll be, uh, that sounds like a great, uh, a great program. When is the, uh, scheduled for when? Uh, midsummer. Okay. Like July. Yeah. July, 2019. Yes. Okay. Um, and it's, yeah, um, so midsummer, come up and spend four weeks in the woods, and then 
go back to the modern life and have to readjust to that, I guess. Yeah, well, as we near the end of the uh, season in camp now, you know, I have like six weeks of intensive therapy to look forward to and <laughs> yeah. laying on somebody's couch talking yeah. about how I don't fit in the modern world. So yeah. I go work at a ski mountain in the winter and like the first two weeks I'm on a shock collar. <laughs> so they, you don't, they, don't, they don't trust me yet. So that you don't run off? Is yeah. it like invisible fence? Yes, very much so. I bark a lot. <laughs> I think it's mostly just to keep me from yelling. I don't know. I haven't really figured it out why they do it. In my younger years, uh, some friends of mine got an invisible fence for their dog, and another friend of mine wanted to see how big the shock was. <laughs> I've done the same thing. <laughs> so he ran. I never did it. But I he, did. Did you put it around your neck yeah. or just hold it? I put it around my how neck. How big was the shock? <laughs> Not great. So for those, so I don't know if, I, yeah, I, I definitely haven't talked about this on the podcast, but electricity is my <laughs> least favorite thing in the world and not, not from like a, oh, I want to live off the grid. The grid's going down. I just, the feeling of being like, even like static electricity drives me nuts. When I was three year old, three years old, I put a penny in a light socket and my dad thinks it's the funniest story in the world because he said it blew me across the hallway. Um, and you know, the full on like hair standing up. Um, but since then, the idea of being shocked is my least favorite thing in the world. And I let, I let a couple friends talk me into putting a shock collar around my neck. And it, uh, yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> I don't recommend it for anyone. I know what I'm going to try to talk you into this afternoon. <laughs> It'll probably happen. But yeah, so the other sort of uh, stuff with the Wilderness Living semester, and I sort of maybe like a, I don't want to say high-minded, because we're definitely not high-minded at all on this podcast, but sort of the back the background phil- philosophy of it is just sort of looking at um, human history and no, and you know, there's, you see stuff all the time about kids, not knowing people, my age, right. Not knowing how to cook for themselves and almost being proud of it. Right. Like, like I don't illiterate in life skills and yeah. nature skills. Yes, exactly. Like, you know, I have, I knew people in college who were like proud of the fact that they went to Taco Bell every night. Like it was a badge of honor. And they're probably dead now. Well, I don't know. Um, maybe, but yeah, and it it was just like this, oh, I don't, you know, I don't I've never turned on the oven in my apartment. I don't know. Basic home economics are not not really valued anymore because life is so easy. And it's that's a really recent thing. Up, you know, we've talked about this before I think on the podcast that up to 200 years ago, a lot of what we teach up here, people knew how to do by the time they were 10. Just because you had to. It was just part of life. Just a life skill. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, what does it take to, to exist in this world? Yeah. And how to warm yourself, cook for yourself, exactly. make stuff that you need. And it's funny that in our modern world, like, you know. The it, person who doesn't have to do that is the most. Yeah, we sort of yeah. revere these these people with tons of money that don't right. do anything exactly. for themselves. Exactly. Like, why would we? Yeah, I, I don't understand. No, I agree entirely. It's and a I world think that... gone mad. <laughs> yeah. It's madness. <laughs> But yeah, so I think that to me, if if um, the skills that we learn up here, they don't they don't just have to exist up here. There is something, anything that people learn up here, they can take back to whatever lifestyle they have. Knowing, you know, we do food and water logging. Knowing how much food you need every day makes it a lot easier to like plan out meals and eat well back at home because you're not like realizing you didn't eat at lunch and having to go get taco bell or something similar to that knowing um knowing how to cook like and cook well because if you're eating garbage up here you're gonna feel terrible i think that was our last podcast like talking yeah, about definitely. how important food was 
But And most people that come through these courses by the end of it have a pretty solid handle on cooking. And if you can do any, if you can do most of the cooking that we do on an open fire, it is really easy to transfer that to a controlled heat source, like a, an electric oven. Um, and I think that, yeah, like we joke all the time about, we teach outdoor home economics up here, but I think that that, that really easily transfers back to your regular life. And it also provides you know, the adults that are here and hopefully the teenagers that come up here with a skill set that allows them to go out into the natural world in <clears throat> any ecosystem that they might be in. And, and they not only have a skill set that allows them to enjoy it, um, painlessly, but they also have, um, a few, they also have methods for learning more about that ecosystem that are <laughs> really hands-on and provide a really deep understanding of the world that they're in. And I think that that's, really really important um well we've talked about it at length yeah <laughs> uh, just the whole idea about actually being self-reliant and you know not the modern sort of tropes of like you know rambo in the woods with a giant knife or swimming yeah. across a river with a knife in your teeth and fighting pirates mm-hmm. and all the stupid crap in the media but like i don't know knowing how to feed yourself over the course of several weeks yeah like that's what real self-reliance exactly. is knowing how to get and how to prepare what goes into your body, how to deal with what comes out of your body, all those things. They're not quite as glamorous as, you know, in the movies when they're fighting zombies and aliens and all the other kind of stupid horse crap that's out there. But you mean we're not going to go fight the aliens on Scopan? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I want to, I want to, you know, be, get in good with them uh, for when they actually take over. But I, for one, welcome our alien overlords. Yeah. But just the idea that, you know, like you, you use the, the term home economics. And yeah. I think I've used that on the podcast in the past that I read a book about a guy who went to Maine guide school in like the 1970s. And, you know, he had thought it would have been more, you know, fighting bears and stuff. But it turned out it was like, you know, he, he described it as a course in backwoods home economics. Yeah, exactly. But that's what life is, right? Like yes. you've got to feed yourself. You've got to water yourself. You've got to take care of what comes out of your body and all the you know, the, mm-hmm. it's, it's not super glamorous, but that's, you know, the, that's it. Yeah. That's what it is. Oh, of course. That's what self-reliance is. When, if you're not doing that, then you're relying on someone else to do it for yeah. you. And I think that, and I think that, you know, the Taco Bell example was just sort of a joke, but I think it's true. Like the, <clears throat> the other thing that you get from this is this, um, this ability to plan, plan ahead in a way that a lot of modern culture isn't, Oh, I'm hungry. I'll go get fast food. Oh, I'm this, I'll go do this. And I think that if you have, uh, a well planned out way of going about your days. I think life is a lot less stressful if if you have um, sort of your weeks or your days or whatever planned out in a way where like the little stuff isn't a like is already prepared and you don't have to panic when you realize you haven't eaten at lunch because you know you cooked a giant batch of something and it's in the fridge. That means a lot less stress in the moment that you can apply to other things. Whether that's I don't know. Whatever. But, but also a lot less last minute, oh, I'm hungry, go to that, Taco yeah, Bell. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're planning Just ahead. a healthier you're, lifestyle, yeah, I think. Healthier, cheaper, better for you. Yeah. So that's not the purpose of why we get together and teach these things. No. But it is the result yeah. of participating in some of our programs. Right. Sort of like I had a thing a while ago that, you know, community is not the purpose for us coming together here. But it is the result of living in close quarters with one another. Absolutely. You know? so it's and the, colds. Yes, and colds. So it's the result, not the purpose. Right. Anyway, uh, so the wilderness teen 
What is the title again? Yeah, Teen Wilderness <laughs> Living Semester. Teen Wilderness Living Semester, July 2019. How, yep. how many, what's the maximum eight. size? Maximum eight. Maximum size is eight. What's yep. the tuition? Uh, $2,750. Yep. For four weeks. Awesome. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yep. Um, and I think uh, we should probably go make sure that everybody's nobody's dead. Nobody's dead. Yeah, we probably should. Yeah. So thank you for squandering the the time. Don't that- cheapen us, Tim. <laughs> thank you for sharing your time with us. We appreciate it. <laughs> and again, if you found this podcast useful, please share it with somebody. Uh, give us a review. Any of those things. It's all super helpful for us. So thank you very much. Have a great day. You have been listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved, visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.